standing for a moment and um, think about those words. They're about singing praise to God for all of his blessings, all the reasons that we can think of. And uh, maybe you come to this grappling with things in your own life. And uh, as you come to this place right now, there's not a whole lot of reasons that you feel like singing. Um, That's the reason that we come here together on a Sunday morning is because life is full of lots of things that get us down, lots of things that take our eyes away from the reasons that we have to worship and to praise our God. As we come together, we're reminded of his goodness, reminded of his faithfulness, how he's led us back here again, of his grace that he has for uh, those of us who continue to struggle and wrestle and be held down by our sin. He wants to give us guidance for those of us who lack direction. He gives us a hope for the future beyond this earth. And these are the reasons that we sing. So now, God, I pray that you would just turn our eyes towards you. God, all that we've been looking at this week in the news, all that we've been looking at in our lives, in our workplaces, all the brokenness in our own hearts and in the world around us. I pray, God, that during this time we would be reminded that we would see your goodness, we would see your grace, that we would see your faithfulness, and that we would be drawn to you. God, come do a work among your people this morning. Transform our hearts as we are hurting and we are broken and we are feeling helpless. God, thank you that you welcome us to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Glad that you're here with us on this summer Sunday. I'm going to go ahead and release our uh, youth, uh, grades 5th through 12th, um, are going to go ahead uh, out, meet your youth leaders. If you're new, your youth leaders will greet you over there and uh, um, get, you, get you plugged into what's going on back there. We love our youth. We're thankful for them. We're also thankful to have our elementary students here uh, in service with us this morning. So you guys can go ahead and pull out your clipboards and follow along with uh, our message this morning. We're going to go into our time of teaching. Um, And I'm excited to be back teaching this week after a few weeks off. Um, It's good that we have other people who teach. It's good for us as a church um, because it gives some of those leaders that we heard from the last couple weeks um, opportunity to to share and to teach and to lead us. Uh, It's good for us as a church to hear from different voices because uh, we're not a church that's dependent on a person or a personality or a style uh, of teaching. Um, No, we are a church that's based on the value that the Word of God uh, speaks as the Spirit moves. And so God uses different people and different personalities and different styles. Uh, And so it's good for us to remember that. Uh, It's good for me and for my family to get a little bit of refreshment. I pour my heart into the teaching here. Uh, I love teaching. And so to be able to refresh and recuperate a little bit, I I pray and I hope that just leads into uh, a greater season uh, of uh, teaching God's word uh, as we move forward here. I've been especially thankful in this past season 
um, for uh, these weeks off because uh, I've shared with you, many of you know that uh, our families kind of had this uh, mini crisis going on. A couple months ago, we had a plumbing flood um, in our home. And so the past couple months, it's just been all the decisions that need to be made, the work that needs to be done. Uh, as a church community, let me just say thank you on behalf of my family. You guys are incredible watching our kids, helping with those uh, meals. We've been eating well over the last couple weeks. Uh, thank you for caring for, for me and my family. Um, uh, but I've learned a lot of lessons during this time. You know, if I were to write a book, um, which I'm not planning to write a book, but I always thought that it would be about discovering God in the ocean realm, uh, you know, from my kind of biologist background. Uh, but now if I were to write a book, it would be discovering God in a flooded toilet. Um, because God's been teaching me a lot of things. Uh, there's been uh, a lot of kind of uh, DIY projects in our home. We have uh, a construction crew that's doing most of the work, but yeah, I try to be wise and, and prudent with our finances, and uh, I grew up as the son of a mason contractor, so uh, back in the day, about half a lifetime ago now, I, I used to do some, do some construction work, and so I, mean, I can do some of that, and um, then we live in the age of YouTube, so if you don't know how to do it, uh, just look it up there, and you can, you can figure it out. And so uh, we were taking out some of these projects in our house, and one of the projects, I brought a couple pictures here, uh, we had this fireplace in our house and kind of this uh, out-of-date TV cabinet built in that we said we want to get a little bit more space. And so for the last couple of years, been wanting to tear that out. So uh, after I made sure that kind of the roof wasn't going to collapse or something, if I tore that out, I went ahead and tore it out, and that's uh, what resulted. Now, if you do projects, you know there's kind of like a point of no return, right? Uh, and so this is the point of no return. Um, and so at this point, again, knowing a little bit of stuff, I figure, you know, I'll go get some lumber. I'll go get some drywall. I'll get ready to get this done. And um, sure enough, I took a, a week of really exhaustive work. And it's not that other people weren't available to help. I just had my time timeline that I wanted to get it done. And, and uh, so I really went through this week. It was that week where it was like 108 degrees. And so uh, sweat and pouring out sweat. Uh, as I was framing this thing out, I actually dislocated my thumb uh, trying to put up this wall because uh, I think I can do this. I can get this done. And uh, so uh, in the end, I got something done. Um, I brought a picture of what it looked like. That's what I put together, and um, I think it looks all right uh, in the work of, work of my hands, and uh, so we got this up, and by uh, God's providence, uh, just after I got this up, my, my wife and I were out, and we uh, met actually the, the realtor that had sold us the home, and she asked how it was going with our, our home, and we kind of told her uh, what was going on, and uh, she said, well, my husband is a general contractor, and uh, uh, so uh, they uh, were incredible. He said, let me come over. Let me see what we can do. Uh, he walked in, and he saw this, and he said, that's one way you could do it. And then he said, you know, me and my crew, we would love to bless a pastor. And so he brought his crew in there, and for, for no charges, God's blessing, I think out of pity, uh, out of his mercy, and for the sake of my marriage, um, he, uh, they ended up putting together this, which with a few finishing touches, thanks to my wife's creativity and uh, the, the grunt work of a few of us guys here, it came out in the end like this. So absolutely incredible, absolutely beautiful. Um, so happy to have uh, this in our home. You know, I was ready to settle for good enough. 
but we got something incredible. In and of myself, I was uh, getting us to a point where it would have been okay, but I would have had to look at that, and my wife would have had to look at it, and my family would have to look at it the, the rest of uh, our days in that house. Um, but what I learned was that um, God has better for us than good enough. He has something incredible for us, and God has a life for us to experience that is a beyond us, but we're going to have to let him have some control. We're going to have to look at what he, only he can provide, not what we can provide, what, what he wants to grant us, what he can lead in that we cannot accomplish on our own. Now, I don't know why God didn't send that couple into our lives a week earlier, would have saved me a lot of labor and hard work. But what I do know is this, that when God gives the opportunity and when he speaks, we listen. And this morning we want to talk in this series that we're talking about water from a deep well. It's about uh, experiencing the life that God has for us in Jesus Christ. Not just settling for what we can kind of eke out uh, and what we can work and what we can get done, but uh, to look at what God has for us. And we're going to look at just a, a few verses uh, that take us deeper into this reality. It's a couple verses that go great and perfect with this series, but even more so, I, I think it's perfect for what God wants for you today. It's not just by accident that you are here, and it's not by accident that you're here. We're going to read God's Word. Uh, my son Maddox is going to help us with that. If you want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 2 this morning in your Old Testament, um, We'll look at Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 9 through 13. It's on your app. It'll be on the screen. Um, and we'd love for you to open your Bibles there as well. Maddox is going to read God's word for us this morning. Therefore, I still contend with you, declares the Lord, and with your children's children I will contend. For cross to the coast of Cyprus and see, or send to Kedar and examine with care. See if there has been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods even though they are no gods? Be but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heaven, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. Before my, for my people I have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. All right. The word of the Lord through the voice of Maddox. Just a reminder to you elementary kids out there, you're not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today. Okay? You're part of this body. You're part of this church you know, uh, these are some Old Testament verses. Sometimes the Old Testament is hard for us to understand. Uh, and certainly through uh, Maddox's voice sounds kind of cute, but we want to make sure uh, that we understand what's going on here. I want to give us a little bit of context, and then we'll kind of get into that last verse where God had said, my people have forsaken the fountain of living waters. A um, little context here. Jeremiah was a prophet. Um, Jeremiah was a prophet that was sent from God with a message uh, to the people of Israel. Now, at that point, God's people, Israel, they had um, been 
in a relationship with God. God had actually rescued them out of the land of slavery in Egypt. He had led them into the promised land. In fact, earlier in Jeremiah 2, God recalls and he says, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride for the groom. That's how Israel was with God following him out of slavery into uh, the promised land. But then he continues and he says, but what wrong did your fathers find in me? Because they ended up drifting away, walking away, turning to the gods of the land. And God says, I have been there all the time. It was your forefathers that had moved away. It's kind of like the, the story I'm reminded of is uh, a young truck driver and his newlywed wife. How they used to drive the miles in their big rig around the country. And uh, they used to, when they were newlyweds, you know, she would snuggle right up to him on those long drives. He would have his arm, one hand on the wheel, one arm around her. And they would drive, and they would drive, and they would sing, and they would talk. 20, 30 years pass. And one day, uh, the wife is sitting there alongside the driver, but there's a bit more distance between them. A couple armrests and big gulps between them. And the wife looks over at her truck driver husband and says, remember when you used to cuddle me? Remember when we used to snuggle close? And the husband looks back and he says, I never moved. And God's talking a little bit here to his people and he's saying, uh, I have not moved. What have I done? I led you in grace. I provided the way. I guided you to the good land. And you turned away. You followed after the things of this earth. And so God, in his grace, he says these words, I still contend with you. And those are words of grace, though they may not seem like words of grace. But we're talking about Almighty God, who still chooses to wrestle with a wayward people. His grace that he continues to come to us, to reach out to us. He says, the heavens are appalled as they look at what I've done for you and how you respond. And then he gives this declaration. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And secondly, they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now, the good news is if you haven't come to a relationship with Christ, if you have never trusted in God, if you're brand new to all of this, uh, the good news this morning is, uh, number one, that God would only say there, there's one evil that you dwell in. And that's that you have never known his goodness yet. And so as you walk the path that you walk, um, you don't know any differently. But for those of us who have tasted and seen that God is good, that know God, that sing his praises, and yet still turn away from him, the source of living water, and turn to our broken ways, he says there's two evils. You've forsaken me, you've turned away from me, and you're trying to do it on your own. Take, take the building example that I gave you, okay? We know that God is a great builder. He is a great designer. He can provide all things. But yet, we try to do it on our own. I try to go through, exhaust myself to, to get this done because I have my schedule, I have my agenda, I know what I want to get done. And we don't turn it over to God. But God gives an even more perfect illustration, a better picture for us, where he says, I am the fountain of living water. We, we get the idea of a fountain, right? What, what are 
fountains. Fountains are flowing fresh with water continuously. This flowing water brings life to the land all around. These waters flow freely. They flow naturally. They flow continuously. That's the picture that God gives us of who he is, a fountain of living water that flows continually, that never runs dry. And that's the life that he has for us. He contrasts it with the cistern. Now, we may or may not live kind of in the world of cisterns. So a cistern is basically a holding tank. And back in the deserts of Israel, when there was no stream running, the people used to dig holes so that if there was any runoff, if there was any rain, that it would collect in that hole and that they would have at least some source of water. So at this time, God is saying that uh, they are digging cistern. And what's the difference between a cistern from a fountain? A cistern sits stagnant. A cistern collects mosquito larvae and uh, collects different type of bacteria and disease. And where a fountain breeds life, a cistern breeds death. On top of that, cisterns required the digging of the people. And in the end, they were broken and they would leak and the water would run out. They were constantly trying to dig new cisterns in order to find this source of life. It's kind of like if we just kind of get ourselves thinking a little bit on this. It's kind of the difference between uh, a lake that looks like this and Lake Tahoe. Okay, it's the difference between Olympics in Rio and a tropical paradise. That, I mean, that just looks refreshing. I want to dive in right now. It's the difference between swimming in this... No offense to any of you who are uh, struggling with your pool maintenance. And what we love to play in. It's the difference between drinking water that we would never want to drink and the difference between having alpine natural spring water. You know, there's no market for natural cistern water. You can't go out and bottle that. Nobody wants to drink it. And God's saying, this is the picture that we have in our life. He's speaking to Israel back then, and he said, do you remember what I led you into? You came into this land, and I provided everything. You didn't have to dig wells. I had other people dig those wells, and then I gave them to you. He said, I made the land flow. The land was productive with all that you needed. I made the way for you. I had other people build cities that you could come and just dwell in. I led you in there. But then you got in there. You wanted something different than me. You thought you could do it on your own. You saw what was in the land there, and you say, you know, I would rather have that. And so they turned away from him. Now, he would say to them that you are choosing to drink the muck. You're choosing to wallow in the muck that is there, and you've forsaken the fountain of living water, the relationship with me. Uh, the message for us today, in view not only of that Old Testament story, but in view of Christ that we live in in the New Testament, is God has gone even further, where he says, I looked and I saw the state that you were in. You were helpless, you were hopeless, you were broken, you were trying to do it on your own, but there was no way out for you. And so I looked and I saw and I cared and I provided my own son and I sent him to the cross for you. 
I provided all that you would need, that you could turn to him, that you could turn to me and experience the life that I had. That he said, I would guide you. I'll provide for all you need. I will place my very spirit within you. And maybe he looks at us today and he says, but yet you still choose the muck. Maybe God would say that to us, that we still tend to choose the muck. That even though maybe we know the truth of God, God would look at us and say, you still keep going after these other things rather than accepting all that I have for you. Now, most of us probably don't overnight say, yeah, I would rather have the cistern than the fountain. It's subtled way that it happens. It's subtle how the world draws us away from the life that God has for us. A house, a wonderful thing for a family, a wonderful thing to have a home, to have a refuge, a place to retreat in. But I'll tell you about my house. Man, I'll tell you that just when I start seeing something's broken and get something repaired, then I start looking at something else. Now, it, it, first it was if this wall was done. For the past two years, I said, if this wall was done, then I will be at peace. You know what happened when the wall's done? Well, now we should paint that room. And you know what? This should be taken care of. And baseboards over here. And this would really tie it together. And it's endless. For me, my house is a, a refuge. And so I look around and grapple for all these things. It's your education. Education, a great gift to go after and to pursue a gift from God. But when it becomes slowly and suddenly the thing that just we continue to grasp after that leaves us no peace that leaves us anxious if we could just get the next and the next it's the job that we think if we could just get a new job then i would be happy then everything would be better if i could make a little bit more money and have my bank account a little bit more full then i will be at peace if i could just have the relationship and then we pour ourselves into the relationship and it leaves us broken and battered so what do we do we go back to digging another hole Dig in another cistern, another relationship, another relationship. And all the time, God sits there and he says, remember when you used to walk with me? And if you have a relationship with Christ, you can probably think back to a day. A day when, man, you would worship with all that you had. Because you had realized God's grace in your life. Where you spent time in prayer and in his word and just filled you up incredibly when you had a community of, of Christ followers and you just experienced that relationship, but suddenly over the year you began to drift away. God says, I've been here all along. My people have forsaken the fountain of living water and turned to their own things. I want to help us to not only understand what God is saying to us, but to realize how it is that we can take steps. And I think number one is we really need to realize if we are choosing the cistern life, we've been talking about this water from a deep well, but uh, right now we're just kind of pausing and saying, okay, have we, as we've been talking for the last two months as a church, have we made any progress? Or do we keep going back to this, this life? Three ways that you may know that you are living the cistern life. Number one is this, that you are dry and weary. If you are dry and weary, and feeling empty and alone, that's not the life that God has for you. That's not why he 
sent his son. That's not why he poured out his spirit, so that you would feel dry and weary. No, there's lots of things in this world that make us feel that way, that empty us out, that drain us down. But God says, come to me. Drink if you're thirsty. Secondly, if you are wallowing, if you are wallowing in the muck and the mire, Psalm 40 tells us that God reached out. He pulled us from the muck and the mire and set us upon a rock. Many of us are wallowing. I have spent a lot of the last month wallowing in a situation rather than getting with God and looking at the life that he has. Thirdly, if you are constantly digging, constantly digging another hole, if you keep saying, hey, if I could just get life here, next month will be better. If I could just have one more thing, if I could have the newest technology, if I could just have this many Pokemon Go things, then life would be well. If you find yourself saying that, you are. You're constantly digging, digging, digging. God says right here, the cisterns you're going after, they're broken. They leak. I've done some heart searching over this past month as I want. Why do I feel so unsettled about this home? And the reality is that, like I said, my home is very much a refuge for me. I think one of the lessons that God wanted to teach me is say, I alone, your God, am your refuge. That in the midst of unsettled circumstances, will you be able to turn to me and find a peace that, yes, these circumstances may not give you. Because what we believe, what it says in the Psalms, if you've been doing our summer Psalms reading plan, this word is all over there, that God is our refuge. He alone has been our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in time of need. This is who God is. And God says, stop your digging. Because I tell you, as much work as I do on the house, the reality that I live in is as soon as it gets done, the whole thing could burn. Right? Right? Anything that we're turning to in this life, digging after, does not last. But God has promised that he will be there with us continually. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water, speaking of himself, or speaking of the earthly water, said, we'll be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the living water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. In fact, he says, the water I will give become a spring of water welling up. So as we wrap up, I want to kind of think, how do we take some steps of going from uh, the cistern life into the flowing streams, the fountain of living water? How is it that we get out of the muck and get into the flow? You know, the, the disciplines we've been talking about in this series don't relate spiritual disciplines to just a bunch of digging because they very easily become that for us. Uh, I just need to be about all these works. No, what these disciplines are is putting us in the flow that Jesus himself has granted us, of sitting with Jesus, of hearing God's voice, of being comforted by his spirit. These are what the disciplines do. So we're going to start in a couple weeks talking about the discipline of prayer, but so far we've talked about four of them. We've talked about being in the word. What our Bible is to us, the word of God, that God wants to speak to you. He, in his grace, wants to guide you. He wants to speak to you every day. So don't say, I I need to be in my Bible so that God will be happy for me or so I'm a good Christian. No. As soon as you say, I want to hear God's voice for my life, 
and want to turn towards him before we hear the voice of the news in the morning, before we hear the voice of whatever's going on on Facebook or social media, we want to hear the voice of the Lord. Worship, corporate worship. Do you have to come to church on a Sunday? No, you do not have to. But Roly did a great job at talking about what corporate worship here is, that God wants to move in the gathering of his people. And if we're missing this, we're missing some movement of him. We pray that this morning that he speaks to you, that he gives you a word, that you experience him as we sing those praises, that you're simply putting yourself in a position where God can move and you can experience him in a new way in your life. We talked about Sabbath rest. We don't have to be legalistic about that either, but to get to a place where you can just put aside your work and say, I'm not defined by my work, but God, I want to be in relationship with you. And community, we talk about relationships. Uh, a lot of us want relationships for a lot of different reasons. But God has given us community as a way to help us grow in him. And so sometimes community is a discipline, right? That takes a little bit of work, but we do it because God wants us to, to experience him in the community of his people. But disciplines are just about putting ourselves in the flow. So maybe this morning you are at a place where you say, I want to get out of the muck. I want to get back in the flow. Today is really just about a decision to, to pursue Christ, to maybe recognize and identify some things that you've been turning to. And so if you want to uh, get in the flow, I would uh, just give you these things this morning. I'd say, number one, identify your cistern. Identify your cistern. What is it that you turn to for refuge? What is it you turn to for provision? Examine that. Identify what it is you find yourself turning to. Are they the, the things of the flesh? Is it food that makes you feel better? Is it a little bit of alcohol? Is it a little bit of sex and lust that fills something in you? Won't last. Is it those relationships that you're running after? Is it your work that you find your identity? What is it that you turn to that God would say has taken the place of him? Once we identify, then we simply confess that sin. You know, God was not calling simply judgment on these people. No, he was calling them to return back to him, and he would do the same to us. We come before him. He is a loving, merciful, gracious God. And we confess our sin, and then we repent. Repentance is uh, the second step of confession. That not only do we acknowledge where we are, but we turn and we change. And then we pursue Jesus. God has a life for you that he wants you to experience. It's why he sent his son to the cross. Many of you know and have tasted that salvation, but it's not just over with eternal salvation. No, he wants to walk every day in view of what he wants to give you. And so today, simply look and say, have you been running after something else? Is God speaking to you this morning? And how would he call you to, to change and to pursue him, to decide today, to choose, I want Jesus, I want the fountain of living water, I don't want to settle for good enough, I want something incredible, that incredible life comes through Jesus Christ alone. Let's bow our heads as we consider these things. Lord God, thank you for speaking to us. 
uh, we can look back at that nation of Israel and consider them foolish and agree with what your word says here. But God, today you're speaking to us. And we're here in church, and so in some way we're seeking after you. But God, I would pray for those of us, those of us who have been living a cistern life, that God, we have known you, and maybe we go through some of the motions of showing up to church or to to going to a retreat, but yet in our everyday life, we keep turning back to what we're able to accomplish, to what we're able to do. And we've been tasting the fruit of that labor, God. It's what we can get for ourselves. And God, you look at us today and say, you have so much more for us. God, we want it. We want the life that you have for us, God. So I pray that you would help us to identify those things that we are turning to and that you would give us the strength that only you can give to turn from those that we would see you, Jesus. I pray that you would open our eyes to see you more clearly today, Jesus, that whatever it is that we've been looking towards, whether it's looking for another person to fill that hole or whether it's a more comfortable circumstance or a, a better job, Jesus, that in view of you, all those things would fade away. We would see your beauty. We would see that you alone can quench our soul. We come to you, God. We come to you now, Jesus. May your spirit come and move among us. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you've never been in a relationship with God. You don't know what that means. You're just... You've heard about Jesus, but you never stepped into a relationship with him. Today, God is speaking to you. He's saying, I have something more for you. I have a life that you can only dream about or imagine. I want to provide for you. I want to guide you. I want to comfort you. I want to heal you. And if you want him right now, you can just turn to him as well. And just to pray this prayer and say, Jesus... I need you. I've been trying it on my own. But today my eyes are open and I see that I need you, Jesus. Come into my life. I'm giving you control. I want to pursue you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come into our hearts. Lead us forward. In Jesus' name, amen.